Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. This is the GM Shuffle. I've been in the league close to 40 years. I- I've never seen a game book like this. But this game was lost by Buffalo. It wasn't won. The last two games, the opponent has lost the game to Miami. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Stephen Bond, with us as always on the ones and twos. And you can tweet at us at MLombardiNFL and at Femi Abebefe. But Michael. We are through three weeks now after Monday Night Football wrapped up last night with the Dallas Cowboys defeating the New York Giants 23-16. Who said my Cowboys were done? I did, but what do you know? Two straight victories. (laughs) Well, I I mean, I think you got to give credit here, right? So Mm -hmm. this is so important because the, the Cowboys last night played the way the Giants played in the first two games. They played not to beat themselves. They're managing Cooper Rush really effectively, relying on their two best players, Pollard and Zeke Elliott. You know, if CeeDee Lamb catches the over route, it's probably not even going to be a close game. But mm-hmm. I think you got to give McCarthy and the staff credit. Still too many penalties that kill drives and settle for field goals. But they're managing the game exactly how they have to do it. And I think it's a lesson that even as good as Prescott is, like this formula is the formula to win with. Like, we've got to make plays defensively. We can't turn this ball over. And sometimes a punt's not a bad play. And I think they beat the Giants last night at their own game. Yeah, I thought Dallas was really efficient. I mean, 6.4 yards per play in the first half. They were averaging nearly 8 yards per play. That defense, once again, this pass rush is legit. And I know the Giants have their struggles on the offensive line. Parsons didn't even get a sack, but Demarcus Lawrence emerged with three sacks last night. They had 22 pressures on Daniel Jones, the most he's been pressured in a game in his NFL career. Dan Quinn has really raised his level. As good as he was last year, so far this year, I think he's been even better. Yeah, no, I think he has, and I think he his play calling, I thought his play calling last night was outstanding. We never talk about the defensive coordinator's play calling. We never really hit on that, and I thought he he blitzed at the perfect times. I thought he had the right, he was, he was playing complimentary football to his team, right? So, look, we know Daniel Jones is never going to throw the ball down the field. The dude has never averaged over seven yards per attempt in his career. We could say, well, you know, people are like, well, he got hit so many times, but he protected the ball. Like, that's some kind of merit achievement he protected the ball like he doesn't make any plays down the field so I'm watching the game and I wrote about it this morning for VEASAN I want to ask you this question Femi mm-hmm. watching the game I, my lead of the column is there I watch two backup quarterbacks right now I understand that Jones is one on the Giants depth chart but if I were to say to you who would you rather have Cooper Rush or Daniel Jones who you taking At this point, I'm going to take Cooper Rush because I know he's not going to make the catastrophic mistake. And Jones tried to make that catastrophic mistake a time or two last night. I know Trayvon Diggs was oh so close to getting a pick six, but Jones turns the ball over way too much for my liking. Yeah, even when he doesn't turn it over, there's still implications that he turns it over. Look, you know, I mean, we'll get to him later, Mac Jones, but the dudes turns the ball. When you turn the ball over that much, you can go from being in love with somebody to hating somebody, right? Mm -hmm. And I just think Daniel Jones, when he has to play fast and you get him in multiple third downs like you do, 
Look, I think the, the story of the game, you could say, Lombardi, you just take the Giants. Okay, fair enough. All right, <laughs> I don't, but that's uh, okay. Watch Dayball manage the game at the end of the first half, and you tell me, you tell me how much faith he has in Daniel Jones. Tell me how much faith he has. He's got three timeouts, and he's letting mm-hmm. the clock go down. He wants to go into halftime knowing he's going to get the ball at 6-3 to because he doesn't want this guy to screw it up for him. Like, don't yell at me. Yell at him. He's, he and I see it the same way. They're managing around Daniel Jones. You can definitely tell that Dayball's coaching with one hand behind his back based on his quarterback situation. And I think he's going to be a good coach. He's shown some pretty good signs early on. The GM, Joe Shane, out there. Like, I think this team is moving in the right direction, but they're going to be hampered with Daniel Jones as the quarterback. And this is his evaluation year. And so far, it's not off to a good start. I don't think we're going to be hearing from the Giants fans this week, though, that were telling us that they were 2-0 and last week after their team looks atrocious yeah. once again, finally losing to the Dallas Cowboys. But, Michael... I mean, <laughs> think, about, think about this, Femi. Think about this. The Giants mm. have scored 54 total points. The Eagles have scored 65 in the second quarter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Think about that. All right. Noodle on that for a while, Batman. And then also think about this. The Giants, all their whole goal, their whole goal, Mm -hmm. and I'm not disputing it. I think it's a brilliant coaching job, but their entire game plan is to get the game to the fourth quarter in a one-score game. That's all they care about because they know they can't play any other way, right? So they they have to be able to. They're down 13 to nothing to Tennessee. They're losing 6-3 to to Carolina. Or last night, they're losing 6-3. to three. Maybe Carolina was 6-6 six to six at half, okay? So they've scored, basically, they've scored nine points in the first half, okay? <laughs> they're just trying to manage the game. Now, they're not even good enough on defense to play this way, but they are. They're, they're surviving. So I would say this to you before we get on to the next subject. Be careful on the Giants because it looks like, oh, they're a better team. They're much improved. No. But the, they're going to be in close games all the time. And that line isn't going to be as favorable for them as we move forward. Like this week, they're two and a half. It's three, maybe goes up to three and a half with the Colt, with the with the Bears coming down. Oh, that's easy. The Giants will beat the Bears. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. no there's nothing going to be easy about the Giants this year. Nothing. Yeah, they make watching uh, football pretty difficult based on how they go about it. But that's kind of what they have to do. They have to stay in these games, and hopefully things go their way in the fourth quarter like they did weeks one and two. Finally caught up to them against the Dallas Cowboys here in week number three. So with the Giants' loss, Michael, we now have two remaining undefeated teams in the NFL, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Miami Dolphins. Let's start on South Beach, where this game Sunday afternoon was absolutely insane it was dramatic it was fun to watch this as a neutral observer i know our producer steven bond he might be might have felt like he was in the sauna as well with bill's mafia down there on south beach with how hot that weather was but the dolphins beat the bills 21 to 19 we can go in a number of directions with this game here but let's start off with miami and this start to their season three and oh a lot of folks probably thought that oh and three was more likely given how the schedule broke for them but Another impressive game for the Dolphins. I thought their defense, once again, like it did in week one, was really the story. Well, I mean, they played a doubleheader on defense. I mean, they played 90 plays on defense. Uh, Femi, I've been in the league close to 40 years. I've never seen a game book like this. You know, after every (laughs) single game, I go through the game books and I look at, you know, I try to, I I go through the, uh, you know, I, I break down the game like I did in when I was in the National Football League, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, I put it I put the game in certain categories, you know, where I recap the game, I go over the drive chart, I go through the fourth quarter, I look at third downs, I look at fourth downs, I look at the red zone production. 
I, I basically try to grade after I watch the tape the real quarterbacks. I could pay it. I could give a shit about QBR or any of that other crap, you know. And then you know what's the score at halftime? How many explosive plays do they make? Yards per play, missed field goals, turnovers, all those kind of things, right? Penalties in the kicking game. Like this, this is most. This has been one of the most amazing game books you'll ever see. <laughs> Thirty nine plays for Miami, right? Thirty nine plays for Miami. They're basically they're two for not they're they're six for uh what were they they were three for eight for on third down yep right I mean they convert a third and twenty two great throw by Tua great throw by Tua into a into a cover two shell throws it down the, to the middle read ball hangs they make the two safeties with Buffalo not being out. But this game was lost by Buffalo. It wasn't won. The last two games, the opponent has lost the game to Miami. Now, does that make Miami a weaker team? No. It's just concerning when you are in the league, even though you're 3-0, and you could easily be 1-2. and You could easily be 1-2. and And don't fool yourself by these wins is all I'm saying. I mean, Buffalo dominated the game. I don't know what Josh Allen was thinking at the end of the first half mm. when he went to spike it and he bobbled it, and then all of a sudden they lose three points there. They miss a field goal. They lose. They lose points there, you know. And so when they when they go through it, you know, you know they have they, they they in the fourth quarter they get seven first downs. They miss a field goal. They convert. They they convert four of six on third down in the fourth, and they lose the game. Remarkable. It, it really is remarkable when you look at the box score: four hundred ninety-seven total yards for the Bills, two hundred and twelve for the Dolphins. Like you said, if somebody showed you this box score beforehand, because usually when you see a disparity like that, it's like, okay, the Dolphins must have forced four turnovers or five turnovers, like how Pittsburgh yeah. did with Cincinnati in Week One. But it was none of that. <laughs> the Bills had one turnover, and they outyarded them by more than double. And then still lost this game. Uh, I said kudos to the Dolphins defense. Maybe kudos to the Heat down there on South Beach because the Bills had a number of guys who were leaving the game due to heat illnesses and stuff. And it just the humidity you could tell 100 degrees, probably 120 percent humidity that played a factor, especially there in that second half where the Bills offensive line, in addition to their secondary being banged up, but their offensive line they were losing guys. It felt like every drive due to the conditions. Yeah, I mean, look, it's hard to play down there. It's a distinct advantage for Miami, just like Miami's going to have a hard time playing when the weather gets bad because I'm convinced Tua's not going to play well when the weather gets bad because I saw it last year against Tennessee. But look, look, credit Miami. I mean, how important is the red zone? You know, probably the difference of the game. They're three for three in the red zone when they get down there. They convert. Buffalo turns the ball over on the six-yard line. Miami converts it to a touchdown. Doesn't hold them to a field goal. So, you know, Miami has been very opportunistic. I thought Miami screwed the game up at the end of the game. Like, I mean, why they threw it on that third down, I have no idea. I have no idea. They get And then they get the safety, which then puts Buffalo right back in the game. Mm-hmm. And even though Buffalo didn't have any timeouts, I fully expected them to be able to get a field goal off in that game. And Miami's defense rose to the challenge. So, look, I mean... Buffalo's got 65 rushes and completions. Miami's got 30, and they win the game. Credit Miami. Credit them. I mean, they hold Tyreek Hill basically to no plays, and yet they're still able to win. I mean, it's. I, I think to me it's one of those where, okay, play that game 10 times, Buffalo's winning nine. Yeah, the Bills banged up in the secondary. We know that uh, – Jordan Poyer was banged up. Micah Hyde is out for the rest of the season with a neck injury. They're already down Tredavious White at cornerback. Uh, I believe that the rookie Christian Benford uh, ended up having a broken hand, so he's going to be out for some time. So the Buffalo Bills are actually hosting Xavier Rhodes, 
uh, this week to see if maybe they can kick the tires on that. Xavier Rhodes being an older corner, not type. He's not the guy he was about five, six years ago. But at this point, Buffalo just needs bodies. I mean, I think Steven might be the one that's in the slot this upcoming week against the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> you know, he says he's ready to cover guys because they, they're down a lot of bodies in that secondary. Plus, they didn't have Phillips. They didn't have Oliver inside. Yep. They lost two defensive linemen. Look, the key to Buffalo, and, and, and this is the game. I don't know if you saw the play. Milano's got a pick six, and he drops it. Mm-hmm. Like, all this we talk about Buffalo's defense, to me, the guy who makes Buffalo's defense go is Milano. I mean, he's the key. When he's going and he's playing, which he plays well, he gets them going, he gets them lined up. Rhodes would be perfect for them because he can play, he can play press to off. Can he still play, quirk, In that cover seven scheme. I mean, look, the, the, all they're trying to do is get guys that can play within the scheme and understand where they fit on the route discipline. That's mm-hmm. really what they're trying to do. They never go and say, okay, you got him man-to-man. Just take him everywhere across the field. They're a match zone, and they do a great job of disguise. They need veteran guys back there to help disguise it. You know, And so, look, I, I, I didn't walk away from that game. Buffalo's power rating for me going into the weekend was as high as it could be. I don't think it's going to disturb it at all. I mean, because they mentally lost the game. How about your boy Dorsey going berserk in the press box? Like, Jesus Christ, how about some composure? I mean, come on, man. The way he explained I mean, it after I the mean, game. I my, mean, my, uh, my grandchildren don't have that temper tantrum like that. He was fired up, man. He was fired up. And I don't, man, know, if, I don't know if it was the residual I, effect. I would say this. that I mean, if you want to be a head coach and I'm a general manager watching that, I'm like, Ken, no, I, I, you, I can't have you that emotional. Like, you can't think that way. Like, you know, don't, don't, I mean, people are on you. Like, you got these iPhones everywhere. People are going to catch you doing anything. Yeah. I, I don't know. To me, that was embarrassing. In, in Dorsey's defense, though, because it, it, it was a little embarrassing, I found it funny just as a, as a viewer, but in his defense, the box score being what it was, he probably felt like how we felt here today that the Buffalo Bills should have won that game. And who knows what happens when we get into December and January. It could be one game that differentiates a team from getting home field advantage. And we could look back at this game in week three saying, wow, if they had just taken care of business against Miami, they would have home field throughout the playoffs. Now they have to go to who knows where uh, come January. So maybe I get why he got upset, but you got to be able to at least harness it a little bit there as a coach of yeah. the team there. Um, nothing to be upset about, Michael. I mean, but here's oh. what they did, though, Femi. Here's what they did. They played with no – he had no poise at the end of the game. And if you were to sum up that game, Buffalo's mistakes mm-hmm. were attributed to not having enough poise, not getting the ball out of bounds at the end of the first half, you know, making some mistakes, you know, not allowing third, not, you know, a third and 22, you allow get converted. Come on. Yeah, that was bad. That was bad. But like you mentioned, the Bills are still the best team in the NFL, despite what we saw last Sunday. And yep. I mean, if, if you're going to be three, three and a half point favorites on the road where they're projected right now at Baltimore. That just goes to show you how damn good this team is. And from a betting perspective, how they're perceived in the betting market, not alone just with what we see with our eyes as well, with Buffalo being the top team in the National Football League. Uh, Another team that might be challenging, Michael, for that throne is the Philadelphia Eagles. This is the team that we've talked about all Mm -hmm. throughout the offseason. I've been high on this team going back to March, April, around that time. You've been high on this team as well, talking about how good they are on the roster. Jalen Hurts now playing well, maybe taking a step forward in his progression as they defeated the Washington Commanders this past Sunday, 24-8. to All the points, like you mentioned, scored in the second quarter, oddly enough here. But Philly, 3-0. 
man, I, I ask you every week, is the parade getting set up? At this point, we might just have the stage ready and we're just waiting for the players to show up come February. No, I mean, I, you know, look, let me say this. I wrote about this for VEASAN today. Uh, you know, are they going to have home field advantage throughout the playoffs? Look at their schedule. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at their schedule. I mean, who could challenge them in the East? I mean, last night, you know, the, it's the NFC East. It's the Cowboys and the Giants. You know, when I was a kid <laughs> growing up, that meant something. That was important. You know, seeing Lawrence Taylor out there was, whoa. But this NFC East ain't the same NFC East now. But make no mistake about that, okay? So, <laughs> you know, I mean, I think, you know, like this is a completely different NFC East. So, look, they, they, they took Washington to the woodshed. I mean, played basically played a quarter held them to 240 yards and and dominated the game. I mean, in the second quarter, just dominated, you know, and Hertz made a lot of easy throws. You know, I don't think he had a hard time reading anything out. It was pretty easy for him. And, you know, they're good on third down. They're the second best team in the National Football League on third down. They're scoring points at a rapid rate. I mean, look, I, you know, it's funny about why. I mean, I said this last week on the pod. Thank God Daniel Snyder's in Elba. I mean, God damn. I mean, seriously. Can you get any more poorly coached than Washington? Now, nobody says it. You're not allowed to talk about it, you know, because mm. I love – Ron Rivera's a nice man. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he, he's a nice man. But at some point, when does somebody say maybe they're not really well coached on offense or defense or in the kicking game? Like, they blow a challenge. Did you see the challenge that they had? I think it was – Smith on the he didn't really get his foot down they didn't challenge it but then they challenged it too late did you see that play I mean it's just to me it's like what are they doing like what's their strength what are they trying to get done offensively defensively like like since he went 11 and 5 I mean since he went 11 and 5 in 2017 as a head coach 7 and 9 5 and 7 7 and 9 7 and 10 1 and 2 I mean He's had two winning seasons in the last eight years. I mean, like, and nobody says he's on a hot seat. Like, it's okay. Like, this Washington team is bad. They're so and they've made no changes to their coaching staff. Defensively, they're bad. Like, they're so bad defensively. I mean, they got, you got, goddamn, A.J. Brown on the, on their first and goal with the nine, they got A.J. Brown, the corners, they're playing off. And they throw a slant for a touchdown. Shocking. Like, what are we doing? Like, we just, why don't we just let them go in the end zone? What are we doing? Yeah. The Washington- They're supposed to have all these first round picks. They're supposed to have all these first round picks on defense. They're 28th in, in, in points allowed, 27th in yards. You know, you want to throw the ball on them? Please feel free. Feel free. But, but it was the same problem last year. Mm-hmm. You want to run the ball on them? Feel free. Go ahead. Like, tell me, like, it's either coaching or. It's either coaching players or scheme. Well, the, the the Cowboys, I mean, excuse me, Washington, the Commodores said last year, it's not coaching, it's not scheme, we're just going to get better communication and we'll get better players. Well, it ain't working. I mean, they should be 0-3, really. They should have not have beaten Jacksonville mm-hmm. in that first game. I think it's all the above for, for the commanders. I think it's coaching, players, scheme, all of it is subpar, and thus the results that we're getting here. And I totally agree with you. Jacksonville, they're going to look back and say, damn, we let one slip away. We could be 3-0 and this year had we just executed in the red zone. But on the Philadelphia side, Michael, you talked about how who's going to beat this team when you look at their schedule. It's really soft. I would say the only elite top-tier quarterback that they face all season is Aaron Rodgers, and that's a home Sunday night football game in November. So that's an advantageous spot there 
for the Eagles, they're going to be in a lot of these games and being able to just play the way they want to play and get out to big leads and let that defensive line tee off on some of these offensive lines. This Eagles team, they just have so many good players when you watch them play to where it's like, man, they have the depth. They have the talent on both sides of the line of scrimmage. They got the skill guys. The secondary is better. Darius Slay is playing really well this year. They're going to be a difficult team to beat. But on the offensive side, how do you defend this team? Because if you want to sit back and play that two high shells look, they're going to run it right down your throat. But then if you come down, then you make it pretty easy and define for Jalen Hurts to find one of these playmakers. I think there's really only three teams that are going to give them trouble. I think San Francisco will give them a lot of trouble. I think Tampa Bay will give them trouble, and I and I and I think Green Bay can give them trouble with their defense. It's going to take a front seven that's really fast and athletic. You're not going to go out there without a front seven that that is is not explosively fast, and you got to have some skill off. You got to be able to match them not points per point, but you got to be able to move the ball. You got to block them up front. San Francisco will give them trouble, but I just truly think the home field advantage is going to go through Broad Street. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't see how they lose. I mean, look at the schedule. I mean, the, here's their December schedule. They go Tennessee home, at the Giants, at the Bears, at the Cowboys, and they finish up with New Orleans and the Giants. I mean, tell me where they're going to lose many games. Okay, they play Indianapolis and Indy. They go to Arizona. Now, Jacksonville, I give Jacksonville credit. Jacksonville has a front seven that can give them problems. You need edges mm-hmm. that can run and tackle. They're fast. You got to have that. If you don't have that, you got no chance. You can't have plotters on the field. You got to have your front seven has to be fast to close down this run game. Again, the run game. And you got to be able to mix it up defensively where he's confused back there. What are you running? When it's easy for him, it's going to be quick. It's going to be a challenge. I, I, think the, I, I think we're three weeks. I know it's premature, but I think the road to the Super Bowl in the East, in the NFC, leads through Philadelphia. Before the season, the Eagles were about twenty to one or twenty to one to have the best record in the NFL. And based on the schedule and how they've looked and how things have broken for them, there's a pretty decent chance they could have the best record. It, it like you said, this could be fourteen and three, something somewhere around there for this Eagles yeah. team this regular season. All right, Michael, let's take our first break here on the show. When we come back, we got to talk about what the hell happened in Indianapolis this past Sunday. This is the GM Shuffle. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. 
All right, Michael, we saw the Indianapolis Colts get their first victory of the season against the Kansas City Chiefs. They beat the Chiefs 20-17 to in what was a mind-numbing and wild game in the witching hour Sunday afternoon. Kansas City, in my opinion, should have won this football game. As somebody yeah. who bet on Indianapolis, I was pulling my hair out, thinking that what is going on? How is this team going to blow this? But somehow, some way, Indianapolis wins the football game and KC falls a 2-1-1. Well, I mean, look, here's it's pretty easy. Go to the fourth quarter, right? Chiefs are up 17-13 in the fourth, right? They only have the ball for four minutes and two seconds in the fourth, and they only get three first downs. So they allow, Atlanta, they allow Indy to go on that long drive, right? Mm -hmm. And the missed field goal in the fourth killed them, and that long drive killed them. I didn't think Indy played particularly well other than that mm -hmm. drive where they made a few plays, but I'm with you. I'm with you. I think that's why they lost it. They had a chance. I, I don't think this Chief team is as – the uniforms are the same, right? But they're not the same team. Like this offensive line, for as all the money that they put into it, is not very good. Orlando Brown had some real issues, right? They've had, they have had some issues. And Mahomes getting hit way too much for my liking. And, you know, I don't understand what any was doing defensively, but, but if you take Kelsey out of this game, where are they going with the football? Where are they going? I don't think Mahomes really trusts or is in sync with Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Juju Smith-Schuster, Sky Moore, the rookie. He's not really involved in the offense. And talk about the day he had no, in, special the game. in special I mean, teams. In special teams, he was a disaster. It was a, a twice. He almost cost him a twice. I mean, look, give the Colts credit. They didn't play their best game, but they battled and fought their way through it. I mean, I, I just don't see Kansas City as that elite team. I mean, I still am trying to figure out why they let Tyreek Hill go. Like, again, it goes back to why do we win? Why do we lose? Right. Mm -hmm. Why were we so explosive offensively? Was it our design? Was it our, I mean, I'm watching them and I, I'm not like, I'm not fearful of them. I mean, I'm really not fearful of them. I mean, the last two weeks against the chargers and against the Colts, they had 320 yards of offense. Can't, they don't run the ball, you know, opening day against the Cardinals, they had 128, but I mean, seriously, they, they couldn't really run the ball. They turned it over. Mahomes had a couple missed throws. I mean, it's just not the same explosive team. I mean, when I go through it and I look at explosive plays, and I mean, you know, it's just it's just not there. You know, they had they had uh, they averaged five point three yards per play in the game. Five point three. They mm -hmm. had one play for fifty three yards and had four plays in the twenties. I, I mean, look, the Colts won the game, averaging three point eight yards per play. <laughs> Think about that. Think about that. How do you do it's that? Crazy. And they only had and they only had one play over 30 yards in the game. I mean, they made no explosive plays, but Kansas City fumbled fumbled once, had an interception, and they missed a field goal wide right, 34-yard wide right. That that's how you lose. And 3 for 10 on third down. Mhm. Mm the run game has really been bad. 23 attempts, 58 yards. That's just 2.5 yards per carry for Kansas City. And the frustration is starting to build, I feel like, for this yeah. Chiefs team. And we saw it at the end of the first half when Mahomes and Eric Bieniemy had that discussion where I think Mahomes wanted them to be a little bit aggressive or maybe try for a Hail Mary towards the end of halftime. And him yeah. and Bieniemy looked like they were kind of having a – I don't think it was an altercation. It was just a spirited discussion. No. Andy Reid had to kind of break it up there. But what was your read on that there toward the end of the half? I mean, I think it was just, uh, you know, like, like anything. I think both, both people respect one another, and I think that Mahomes has got to have to make an adjustment to his expectations of this offense because it's not what we're used to, 
right? Mm-hmm. And I think they're trying to manage. They were going into halftime for up fourteen to ten, you know. And I think they're. I think this is the way they're going to have to play games. I mean, they're not an explosive team. I know they scored forty four points in the opening game, but they're not. And I, I got to say this. I mean, they're lucky Orlando Brown didn't take that contract. They really are. I, I don't know who's going to pay Orlando Brown that money. Like, I don't know who's going to pay him that money. Like, he's a good player, but I think you could draft a guy that has limitations like he has. Like, why would you spend all that money on Orlando Brown? I think the most two most disappointing things about that game was the money the Colts are spending on their offensive line and the money the Chiefs are spending on their offensive line, and they're not getting out of it. They're not. They're, they're not getting it. I mean, Matt Ryan got the shit kicked out of him again. I mean, he's on his back five times. I mean, so, like... I, I don't know, fam. I, I just, to me, like, I don't know who's going to, like, who are you competing against for Orlando Brown services at left tackle? Wouldn't you be better off just drafting a guy? Like, Tyler Smith last night played as good, I mean, the 23rd pick. You'd be better off with him. He's looked good, especially in the run yeah. game. Especially in the run game, man. He's bulldozing some guys on that left side of the offensive line. But to the Indianapolis Colts, they're 1-1-1, one, one, and one, but I agree with you. The offensive line has been one of the more disappointing units across the board out of any team in the National Football League. That was a team, an offensive line that I thought was going to be the strength of the Colts. We talked about it during the Blue Chip, Red Chip series. Quentin Nelson, one of the best guards in the league. You know, he's good, but the O-line, you need all five guys working in concert, and somehow the Colts are not getting that out of those guys up front. So Matt Ryan, it's almost like he just changed his jersey, but he's right back in Atlanta. Uh, yeah. Like you mentioned, getting beat up behind that O-line. The Las Vegas Raiders, Michael, we got some problems out here in the Sin City. The folks are wondering what the hell's going on. We get Devontae Adams. We get Chandler Jones. We get all these guys, and we're expected to build on the playoff appearance that we had a season ago, but now falling to 0-3 after losing to the Tennessee Titans 24-22. to And it was a slow start for the Raiders. And after the game, there was a, a report about McDaniels having a closed-door meeting with Mark Davis, the owner. We'll get into all that, but first, just from what you saw on the field, what's wrong with this Raiders team? Well, I mean, they keep losing games. I mean, they keep giving games away. I mean, like the last two games, they should have won, but they're, they're not making the critical plays at the critical times. They're turning the ball over at the most inopportune times, specifically in the red zone. I mean, Darren Waller's got a ball. Oh, my Hits him in the hands. You know, that, there's points that you give away there. And they've got guys open on third down. They can't seem to make the connection, whether it's breakdowns. I mean, I think there's a the, the details of what the Raiders are trying to accomplish is been is not cotton there. And I'm not making excuses again. My son's the offensive coordinator, so I would tell him exactly if I thought it was all screwed up. I would be brutally as honest with him as I am on this podcast. So I'm not like trying to sugarcoat it for him. I think to me, they've got to be able to execute better in the red zone. Their attention to detail has to be better. They've got to raise their level of play, and they're counting on some guys to be effective at crunch time, and they haven't been effective at crunch time. I mean, they got Darren Waller open on a third and eight in the second half on a sale route. It's going to walk into the end zone, and it just falls off his fingertips. Darren Waller's open for a touchdown. It bounces off. The first first series of the game, they throw it. Carr puts it right. Waller's had like two drops in a game. Can't have it. He's mm-hmm. too good of a player to have that. That guy should be a dominating player. He's big. He's fast. He's tough. I think he would be the first to say it. Look, I got to get a better. You know, the Raiders defensively didn't play well. In the, they scored. They hold him to 24 points in the first half. 
and the Raiders mount this comeback. Tennessee doesn't really move the ball. I, I, I don't know what game Jonathan Vilma was watching. He kept talking about how Derrick Henry's dominating the game. He's dominating the game. Oh, my God, he stopped. Yeah. No, Jonathan. <laughs> It was the passing game that was killing the Raiders. It had nothing to do with it. It was Henry in the passing game. It had nothing to do with had nothing to do with the running game. I mean, they had 96 total yards for the game. I mean, like at some point, what game are you watching? And for the record, the only reason I had the sound on was because Miss Millie wants the sound on, not me. Okay. <laughs> for the record. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like I had no interest in having the sound on. Like I'm not learning anything from Jonathan Vilma. I can promise you that. All due respect to Jonathan Vilma, but I don't need it. Okay. You know, like watch the game. <laughs> the game was getting you were getting they were getting hurt by checkdowns to Henry, screen to Henry. Like it mm-hmm. wasn't Henry banging up in there. And and look, that that's what happens when you when you you know you're trailing twenty four thirteen in the fourth. You turn it over. You know, in the red zone, you're going to lose those games. I mean, it's just it's really kind of simple. They got to clean it up. I mean, they've got a good team, and they're going to be a good team when they clean it up, but not until. Uh, they're running out of time, though. 0-3 in that conference? It, it's yeah. got to be this See, week I, or it's now or I, never. I, 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 well, first of all, Mark Davis has always met. I mean, when Gruden was the coach, he after the games, he would spend time in there with Gruden. I mean, mm-hmm. Mark Davis is a football aficionado. I think Mark Davis is fully aware of where his team is and where it isn't. I think that's pretty true. I think he understands that the sins of the past – are going to have to be made up. And just because you're a playoff team last year, you won all those close games this year not winning them, doesn't mean Josh McDaniels isn't a good coach. Like, it's going to come together. Again, I'm not saying that. But, like, for example, the end of the first half, when they gave up those three points, that's got to, that's got to change. You can't do that. That's not New England-style football to do that. That three points end up costing you, the, really, ultimately, mm-hmm. the game. And so, but I, I think... People are making way too much out of Mark Davis spent an hour with Josh McDaniels. Like, look, seriously, like that's not has nothing to do with it. I think the expectations and the understanding within that organization are pretty clear of where they need to go. They got to improve. There's no denying. There's no excuse for losing the last two games. No excuse. But they got to get better. That offensive line, is it still a concern for you? Because it is for me watching them play. I think Carr... Granted, sometimes he brings it on himself, some of the pressure, but he's really under duress quite a bit there with that O-line. You know, I, I mean, I think the O-line's got to get better. There's no denying it. But, I mean, there was a lot of throws he had that he just, you know, they didn't make. I mean, there's throws that were there. I mean, they got comedy. How many, I mean, the pass interference on Cole. Cole drops a touchdown pass in the mm-hmm. red zone. I mean, like Waller drops a touchdown pass in the red zone. Like, I think they've got to be, their execution has got to improve. I mean, it, it just really does. You know, they averaged 6-1 a play. They had 46 rushes and completions in the game. You know? They, they, and, and where they got hurt was, they even though they forced some negative plays, and they only had two tackles for losses, they didn't get, they didn't get take advantage of some of the stuff. You know, the holding call on the, after the turnover was a killer and on Luminor. That's a killer. Because you got the ball first and goal with the two. Yeah. And you get a holding call, come all the way back. See, the see when you look at the penalties, right? You you only see a 10-yard penalty in there, but that's a 40-yard penalty when you look at it. It's a killer. See, that's that that's the secret to all victory lies in the organization of the non-obvious, right? And the Raiders aren't handling the non-obvious right now from all aspects of their team. The Jacksonville Jaguars have been a pleasant surprise out of the AFC South, and they absolutely put the beat down 
on the Los Angeles Chargers this past Sunday, 38-10. to They go ahead and win as six-and-a-half-point underdogs, and the game was never really close. A lot of positives for Jacksonville, a lot of negatives for the Chargers that I want to get into with you as well. But let's start on the positive side first, because what I'm seeing from this Jacksonville Jaguars team led by Doug Peterson, as they finally have an adult in the room, is really promising. We're starting to see the Trevor Lawrence that we were all expecting coming out of Clemson here as the number one overall pick. I thought, I mean, Trevor Lawrence has always been a good player, but I thought Last year, he had no fundamental coaching, no technique coaching, and he's Mm -hmm. a lot like a golfer that he, unless he's kind of getting himself in a groove, he's going to look bad, you know, and and taking it from the practice field to the, from the range to the, to the course, from the practice field to the field, you know, and I think he's improved and certainly with ATN back there, Robinson, you know. And Kirk has been a nice addition. Forget what they paid him. Yeah. Because he's been a really good player for him. So is Jay Zay Jones. So, you know, I mean, look, I, I think this is a good team, but I think where they've really improved is defensively. I think Mike Caldwell's done a really nice job. I think their front's really good, hard to block. And they run the Todd Bowles scheme, you know, and they're able to, to create some pressure. And for the Chargers, you know, they go into the game, Pimpkins, the right tackle's hurt. Corey, Corey doesn't play the center, mm-hmm. and then they lose Slater to the left tackle. Like it, this Charger team, the odds are going to come down because it's hard to find a left tackle this time of the year. As great as Herbert is, it's going to be hard for them, especially with this offensive line the way it is. And I'm not sure. I've never been sold that they were good enough on defense, even though they've added all these guys. Because I'm not sold on their scheme defensively. So, to me, you know that I, I just thought it was one of those where. I had I had Jacksonville when it was seven. I had Jacksonville taking the points all the way, right? Mm-hmm. And even when it went down to three, it was still a good bet. How about the craziness of this Herbert situation? Because Friday, the betting market all bet on Jacksonville all the way down to three with the expectation being that Herbert was going to be out of this game due to the rib cartilage injury. And then we start to hear Saturday afternoon that, hey, Herbert is really pushing Saturday night. It then comes out that everyone in the organization, I think even his agent, were all pushing for Herbert to sit this game out, thinking that, hey, this is let's play the long game here. Let's not just try to force it and go out there. But he goes and, and warms up Sunday afternoon, convinces everybody that he's good to go. Clearly didn't look like himself. You can see in the first quarter after his first hit, he was wincing. Wasn't quite himself. But this Chargers team, the injuries keep piling up. And then the thing that really bugged me was late in the game when Herbert was out there down by 28. And you know that the guy had to take a pain-killing injection just to play in this football game, and you still have him out there taking hits. I thought it was just one of Brandon Staley's worst hours as a head coach, and I'm off the train. I, I'm, I, I cannot take this guy seriously as a head coach. Honestly, I, I, the post-game comments, what he said afterwards of, well, Justin wanted to be out there with his team. Well, you're the coach. You should sit him down at that point. You're not his friend. You're his uh, coach. If he, I, I, he can want to be out there, but take him out of the game. Well, I mean, you know, when you're just like, what? Like, at some point, aren't you the leader? Like, <laughs> I don't care think. what Justin wants. Like, <laughs> exactly. I'm going to take him out. But see, we, we all just, because he goes for it on fourth down, we think this guy's brilliant, right? Like, he showed no common sense all of last year. 
I bitched about his fourth down, though. Of course, you know, it's it's okay to go for it on fourth down. You know, I mean, Peterson's going to eventually learn to stop going for it on fourth down. Frank Wright almost cost his team again going for it on fourth down. Frank Wright's a disaster on fourth down. Like, seriously, it's, it's, it's getting out of control. Like, you see less and less fourth downs getting converted in the NFL today because teams are ready for it. They're more prepared for it. And yet teams still continue to turn down the points. They still turn them down. Like at some point, you know, well, the chart says we got to go for it. Stick that chart up your ass. It's the first quarter. <laughs> you know, the object is to gain points. Peterson, I mean, Peterson cost this game, the team, the first game going for, oh, we're going to be aggressive. That's our mindset. We're going to be, no, I, I don't care about, I want to be smart. I mean, that's where I don't mind Staley being aggressive. I want him to be smart. I don't think he's had common sense since he's been the head coach there. I mean, they forced three turnovers against the Raiders. And are they haven't forced a turnover since. You know, they gave up 151 yards rushing to Jacksonville. They got 413 yards in that game. 25 first downs at home. They got at beat home. up. They got beat up. I, I mean, and they're supposed to be this elite team. I'm not buying it. I don't think he's an elite no. coach. I don't care no. what PFF grades him as the best coach in football. Like, I don't think he's an elite coach. Like, I see his defense because his defense never gets control of the game. Say what you want about Dan Quinn as a head coach. He was in control of the game last night completely. Like, you never felt like they were out of control. I never felt they were going to win the game, but I never felt like they were out of control, right? There's a difference there. Staley, he, and he's living off of having being a defensive coordinator for the Rams when you have the best corner in the game with Jalen Ramsey, the best defender in the game with Aaron Donald. The that's, Rams got that, better with Raheem Morris. Come exactly. On, let's cut this shit. Exactly. Let's just, you know. Like, exactly. Uh, you know, when I'm watching the, the Denver game, and we'll get to that in a second, you know, and, and of course, nobody will say a bad word about Russell. God forbid if we did that. But I'm reminded about this new book that I finished, right? So Cosell has a saying, you know, he would tell Meredith and, and Frank Gifford, if we see it, we got to say it. Like, at some point, what's wrong with seeing it and saying it? Like, what's wrong with that? Like, why do these TV people have to be so careful about what they say? Hey, if the guy's not playing good, say it. Oh, he's not playing good. Like, you know, the, the, I love the Raiders. I love the Patriots. Like, if they're not, I mean, I like Mac Jones. He's not playing good. I'll say it. If you see it, you got to say it. Like, that's what where jobs are. Like, I don't understand why you have to be caught. I'm not going to say a bad word about Russell. Like, Russell's playing like shit. Are you kidding me? It's the production the meeting. I mean, I mean the, the Chargers are playing like shit on defense. Like, they've been playing like that. They got Pro Bowls on every single lever. Mm-hmm. And you're telling me they're great defense? Come on, please. We, we did he the... goes for it on fourth down. Like, who's judging this? You know what set me over the edge? What was it? I know we got to go. I know no. we got to go to break. But yeah, I almost lost my mind. My, Let it my, off. My nephew, my nephew Nick's at the house. He's having dinner. He's a doctor in Pittsburgh. Brilliant kid. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. You know, surgeon. You know, unbelievable. His sister's a, a PhD, and she's a surgeon. I mean, it's unbelievable family, right? Mm-hmm. Big Daddy's kids. Of course, he's at the house bitching about Green Bay the whole time, even though they're winning. <laughs> but that we'll get to that in a minute. But anyway, so like. They put up, we're watching the game, we're watching the 49 Denver game, and they put up pro football focus. Has, has Cam Fleming as the number three left tackle and all, right tackle in all of football? Come number on. three. Come on. Okay. Come on. Number, the third best right tackle in all of football. Come on. And he's facing Nick Bosa, <laughs> who they have rated as the 23rd best defensive end in all of football. I want to find 22 guys better than fucking Nick Bosa. Like, give them to me. Send them to me, please. I need to find them, right? 
You're telling me Cam Fleming? And meanwhile, they're chipping every play over there, right? Denver doesn't think he's the third best right tackle in all of football. Just watch the game. Like, watch the game. I went nuts. (laughs) Cam Fleming, he used to be in Dallas, and I can tell you uh, he is not not the third third best tackle on the team. Forget the best tackle in the league. He's a, he's a swing tackle. That's what he is. He's a swing tackle. He's a great kid. He's smart. He's learned how to play the game. He's been competitive. Like, you're holding your breath every time when he's blocking the edge. Nick yes. Bosa's the 23rd best defensive. Like, it, like, is somebody reviewing that? Again, it's pro football focus because we don't know who's doing it. We have no idea. It's behind the curtain. Uh, yeah, if there's 22 better defensive ends than Nick Bosa, please send them to Dallas and we can have a good defense. I'd, I'd appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, the Chargers, absolute disaster. Staley, I'm out on him. He's a clown, in my opinion, uh, not a leader of men because that comment of he wanted to be out there with the teammates or the head coach, you should override that and take your quarterback out who is battling a rib cartilage injury in a 28-point game. Michael, let's take a break. On the other side, we're going to talk about Mac Jones and those Patriots after they lost to the Baltimore Ravens. All right, Michael, we saw the Baltimore Ravens go into Foxborough and beat the New England Patriots 37-26. to Before we get into the New England side of things, holy hell, Lamar Jackson, man. This guy <laughs> looked so amazing through three weeks here and we've talked about the MVP stuff about how Josh Allen's been amazing Jalen Hurts has been really productive Tua's also shine through three weeks Lamar I think has done more for his team than any quarterback has done for their respective teams in my opinion he's the MVP through three weeks based on how he's played because he in that second half against the Patriots he looked like the best player in football I mean he's unbelievable he's throwing the ball with great accuracy you know he he is poised you know and he's making up for a defense that's not very good, mm-hmm. but yet he's able to kind of match it. And yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think Josh Allen's the MVP of the league, but I think Lamar Jackson's certainly having as good a season as he did the MVP year. I'm not sure Baltimore's as good a team. No, they're not. As 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 he was the MVP <laughs> yeah. year. I mean, you know, they're really not, but they, they went up to New England because New England is doing everything that New is not doing anything they stand for, Femi. They, they want to avoid losing before they win. And as much as I like Mac Jones, I thought Mac Jones would protect the ball and play smarter than he's played. And now he's hurt with a high ankle. And, you, you know, to me, he's, he was in danger of really of, of either changing what he did or he's going to lose his job. He's not going to play in the NFL. You're not going to play in the NFL. You keep turning the ball over like he was. Now, you could say, well, they don't have an off. They average seven want to play in the game. Mm-hmm. Seven want to play, right? You know, I mean, they, they're in, in all their th- in, in two of the three games. If they don't turn the ball over, they could be three and zero. I'm not saying they're good. Don't get me wrong, but when you turn the ball over like they did, whether it's fumbles and and interceptions, and you allow the other team to have extra possessions, and the other team has Lamar Jackson, you deserve to lose. Yeah, it's Mac Jones has not looked good. This season, 321 yards passing, 10 yards per attempt, but the interceptions and the that's interceptions in the red zone, Michael, that's, oh, those that, are killers. Yeah, I mean, I, I would disagree with your line saying he doesn't look good. I think he looks good other than he's making stupid mistakes and he's not good enough to overcome bad mistakes. Like part mm-hmm. of the allure of, for me with Mac Jones is he was going to be a smart player, protect the football at all cost, you know, but he's playing out of control. He's playing that, like, you know, 
He's trying to, th- what does he think he is? He's throwing the ball up for grabs. Like, seriously. Like, you're, you're, you're not overly skilled, right? So when you're not overly skilled, you've got to make up for it with good decisions, good placement. All the things have to be. You can't hurt your team like he's been hurting his team. I mean, like I've never seen a New England team like this. Like, this is so anti-Belichick. It's so, it's so not who they are. It's so not who they are in that building. You know, they, they, get, they, they, they just haven't been themselves. I mean, and you could say, well, they don't have an offense. Like, it's not the plays. It's the mistakes they're making in the game. Now, you can blame it on the coaches all you want. I think, that's pretty, I think that's pretty naive if you want to do it because they haven't played the quarterback. I mean, think about it. Femi, they've had eight turnovers in, two, in three games. Mm. Eight. That's not three opening day. They had three opening day. They had four here. And it's not just fumbles. It's not just interceptions. It's fumbles, too. They're not protecting the football. I mean, they're 20. Here's where it is. They're 25th in points scored. They're 10th in yards allowed, in yards per play. So they move the ball, right? They move the ball. But why are they so bad? They're 31st in turnovers. They're 22nd in points allowed defensively. They're only 11th in yards allowed. Why? Because they're only 12th in creating turnovers. Everything they do is goes right back to their inability to protect the football. That's as simple as it is. Where do they go from here now with Mac Jones going to be out for, I'd imagine, a handful of weeks. It's a severe oh, high ankle sprain. Brian Hoyer, I believe, it will be the starter as the next man up there as the QB2. Where does this team go from here now with Mac Jones on the sidelines? Uh, I mean, they just have to play within themselves. They have to go back to that Cooper Rush formula. Like, don't let Brian beat you. Like, Brian will move the ball from 20 to 20, right? Mm-hmm. And when Brian gets in the red zone, that's where he, that's where he tries to force things and screws it up, right? And so you're going to have to limit that. The one thing they do know is they know Brian. They know what he can and what he can't do. That's important. But if they could just eliminate the turnovers, just eliminate them, they're going to have a chance to be in every game because they're playing good defense. It isn't like they're bad on defense, right? I mean, they don't, you know, they got to play better in the red zone, but their change of possession is killing them. So they, that, that's what they're going to have to do. I mean, they're just going to have to play at a higher level and, and, and find a way to, you know, find a way to not make these constant mistakes that they've been making. And it's killing them. It's killing their team. It really is. New England's next opponent, the Green Bay Packers, got themselves a win Sunday afternoon against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 14-12. to 12. We figured this would be a lower-scoring kind of slugfest given all the injuries and the skill positions. I don't think anybody expected 14-12 to 12 as the Packers prevail, coming down to that two-point conversion where somehow the Bucs had a delay of game on that two-point conversion. I'm not sure how that happens given that everybody in the building so knows the Raiders, they're going to go though. for it. So did the Raiders on the two mm-hmm. point. Like, I don't think this is just because you got poor communication. I think somebody's setting that 25 clock, you know, and the teams don't realize it's getting set. Something's going on. Like, I think something's happening here. Like, I get Kyler Murray backing up five yards. I get that. You want more room for Kyler Murray, right? Yeah. I get that. I'm not sure Cliff Kingsbury thought that, but I think it was probably worked out for the best. But I think with Brady. And with the Raiders, where you have that run-pass ratio from the two, you don't want to get backed up. But I think something's going on with that clock. Like, I don't know if they think it's – because it's so unlike Brady to not be in command of that. 
And, and, and same thing in New England. Same thing with the Vegas Raiders. I mean, it's a bad communication from the side. Something's going on. Look, here's the reality. Here's what's mind-boggling, right? You're on that drive. The Raiders are on their drive. The Bucks are on their drive. You're in the headset. Everybody's saying, what's our two-point play? What, like, mm-hmm. you know you're going for two. Like, there's no need to celebrate, right? There's no need to celebrate. We got to get two. I, I don't understand it. But Big Daddy had the line of the day. What you know what Big what Daddy say? said? What did he say? After bitching about every draft choice and who we picked and who we didn't, he said he'd like to know, like, when do the Packers ever have a coaching advantage in any game? That's what he would like to know. Because he thinks LaFuck has never gives him an advantage. And he just goes completely berserk when, when LaFleur is fun, when LaFleur's celebrating on the sideline. Like a chip, like a, goes completely berserk. <laughs> Two and yes, one? Yeah, I, I mean, you should pay. Like we got a, I got to get him on the pod. I was gonna say, can we B, get an alternate feed when the when the Packers are playing in prime? We got it. We got to get him on the pod. In fact, I should probably send Stephen Bond the text exchange during it so we can keep it up. It's just brilliant. It's so good. <laughs> His Packers are they're two and one, and that's a big victory. And like we said, with the Bills and their loss of the Dolphins, come December and January, this could be the difference in a tiebreaker for Green Bay, maybe being a one seed or maybe a two seed over the Buccaneers and the Buccaneers being a three seed, having to go to Lambeau Field because of this win here. Do you believe in these teams going forward? Are we just seeing that the injuries are why they look so pedestrian or maybe there's some other problems underneath the surface? Uh, I mean, I think, you know, Tom Brady would be the first one to tell you he needs good players around him too. Like he needs players he trusts. And he needs good players around him. And he don't have that right now. You know, I think when he went back, there was, I got Godwin, I got Evans. I'm probably going to have Gronk. Mm-hmm. Now I don't have any of them right now, at least for that game. I mean, it's hard. I mean, it was painful to watch. Yeah. And give the Packers credit defensively. They played well. They, now they're going to need Jarrar Alexander. He can't get hurt on them. But, you know, they had trouble blocking Gary. Gary's a good player. Mm-hmm. So I like the Packers' defense. I worry the Packers' defense isn't fast enough if they had to play Philly. But the one thing the Packers can do is they could match Philly points. So that would be a hell of a game. But I, I just think to me that this Buck team, it's a struggle. Until they get all the pieces there, it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough sailing for them. We're going to see that game, Eagles and the Packers, November 27th in Philadelphia. That should be a fun Sunday night football game. What wasn't a fun Sunday night football game out in the Rocky Mountains between the Niners and the Broncos? Denver wins this 11-10, to 10, and what was just a close game, an ugly game, uh, a mind-numbing game, but Broncos country, let's ride 2-1 and one with a big victory over the 49ers, Michael. <laughs> wow. I mean, look, I mean, finally, Russell moved a little bit with his feet. He did. You know, and he made, a, he made a play when he moved, but I don't think he looks very good at all. I, I don't think he looks good at all, and I, I'm not sure he's going to move. I think this defense has played really well, but, you know, I mean, think about this. They had 12, they had 12, the first 12 drives of the game, they went, they had 10 punts, one field goal, and a missed field goal. I mean, think about that. I mean, he just looks like he's dead. In the fourth quarter, they had three first downs and committed two turnovers, you know, and, and they and they won the game. I mean, think about that. Now, excuse me, San Francisco San had Francisco two first idea. downs. Yeah, they had it, right? They had a 21-play best drive of the, of the day when the field, when they got, and they got five first downs on the last drive. That was it. That was the difference mm-hmm. in the game, you know? And obviously... You know, Garoppolo running out of the back of the end zone, which to me is is on Garoppolo. But 
I, I think Kyle needs to share some of the blame on that too. You call a bootleg down there on the goal line. I'm not. Sh- I'm not shilling for Jimmy. It's a stupid play. But when you call a boot down there at such a tight space and the end goes up the field, you got to avoid them. You got to arc to avoid them. Right? It's hard. And so when you don't have room to avoid them, you just got to throw the ball in the dirt. So I mean, he should have made a better play, but I don't think that's a great call down there. Uh, I want to focus on Russ before we get to Jimmy. Russ didn't look good at all. And, I, and I'm somebody who is a Russell Wilson defender. Probably I'm categorized as that. I picked the Broncos to win the Super Bowl because I thought they would have worked things out. So far, that's looking shaky, probably on life support, to be quite honest, even though they're two and one. But the whole offense just looks like they haven't practiced together. And I think there's one thing that Mike Pritchard said, our buddy Pritch, who works at VEASAN. And all throughout training camp, he kind of had questions about this Denver team. He said, hey, not hearing some great stuff out of camp that it's a little bit too lax. Maybe it's like a camp cupcake out there. They look like they were not practicing during training camp. We know they didn't play in the preseason. Russ is just the timing isn't quite there with Judy. It's not quite there with Sutton. I think that their whole offense just looks bad and out of sync and that they're treating this quite like a preseason here. This fourth, this fourth, uh, uh, these four games here in September. Do you think that there's room for this to grow with this Denver offense, or do you think that this is going to be the case for them the whole season? You know, I worry about Russell's athleticism. Do you think he still runs as fast as he once did? I mean, do you think no. he still moves as well as he did? I don't think so. But you the, know? does he need to be that fast, or does he just need to move? Because in that fourth quarter, he moved he, a little bit more. But he needs to move to be able to see. You mm-hmm. know, he needs to move to be able to see. I, I, I think to me, I think their execution, what they had 45 rushes and completions in the game. You know, San Francisco at 51, you know, I mean, they, they had four explosive plays in the game. I'm talking about Denver. Three of them were 21 and under. I mean, they don't make plays down the field. I think that's from, I think Russell's at a point in his life where he's gotten hit too much. I think it's like, okay, I got hit. I got to get rid of this ball. I want the ball out of my hands. I'm going to take it. Now, you know, and I don't see any toughness in their team. Do you? No. Uh, They don't look like they're a tough team to me. And maybe that, at least on offense, on defense, they look like they were flying around Josie Jewels back at linebacker. Those edge rushers, Gregory, who should still be a cowboy, but Gregory and Bradley Chubb, those guys were getting after the quarterback. I thought they were terrific. Sertan is phenomenal as a young cornerback. But offensively, it just looks like they're way out of sync. And I don't know if it's the... Hackett and Russ trying to get used to each other or they just didn't get enough reps in camp or what happened, but they look like they just didn't practice much through the month of August and that's showing up here in September. But I want to have the Jimmy G discussion with you, Michael, because you mentioned that say you don't want to shill for Jimmy G, but I'll be frank. I, I didn't think Jimmy G was good Sunday night. And and you said Kyle wasn't good. I agree with you. Some of the in-game stuff that Kyle decided to do, I thought was blasphemous, especially the declining the penalty when Brandon McManus was well within his range. I thought that gave the Broncos a free three points. But Garoppolo, he, the, the, the whole Jimmy G experience, I thought was on display Sunday night. You saw the good throws. You saw some underthrown completions, the boneheaded errors. This is the same story with Garoppolo. And this is why the Niners moved up in the draft to try to replace him because they know that he has limitations. Well, yeah, I think that's clear. I mean, nobody's denying that. But the question is, all Trey Lance could do is really run with it. Can he make any of those throws? You know, I think that's the bigger issue. Would Trey Lance have won that game for them? I I don't know. Look, here's the reality, okay? And I've said this for years, all right? And this is Mm -hmm. not disputable. When it becomes a drop-back pass game, 
like it did at the end of that game. The, the 49ers can't drop back pass. They, they are not a drop back pass team. And when they lost Trent Williams in the game, and all of a sudden that young kid came in and then they lost him, the game fell apart on them. I mean, the game fell apart on them. I mean, Bradley Chubb all of a sudden became an elite player. I think he's a really good player. Now he became elite. You know, and so look, they they have a way that they have to play and they have to get the ball to certain people and their defense is so damn good. But when they're when they're as bad as they were in the red zone in terms of when they're as bad as they were on third down, I think mm-hmm. what were they they were three for 13 on third down or five for uh, no, excuse well, me, one, one of for 10. 10 on third. To, you know, it's just to me, it, it, it I think it's really challenging for them. You know, and, and, and look, Garoppolo's got to play perfect, and he's always going to be the trigger when he does it. But that offensive line, when it becomes a drop-back pass game and they've got to rely on that, I think it's really hard. And people, they did a good job of taking Samuel out of the game. I mean, excuse me, Debo. They took a good job of taking mm-hmm. him out of the game. And I think what's maddening for Niners fans as well, before we take a quick break, is that despite all of that, they probably still should have won this football game. But now they're down to one and two. They got the defending world champion Rams coming into town next Monday night and what should be a fun game out in the NFC West. All right, Michael, let's take our last break, but on the other side, we'll break down some more of these games and then hand out some awards for week number three. All right, Michael, before we get out of here, got a few games that I wanted to bounce off of you. The Carolina Panthers get their first win of the season, defeating the New Orleans Saints 22-14. to That Panthers defense, I thought, really was the shining star in that game, including scoring a touchdown and a blocked field goal, but Carolina now on the board, which probably should be a two and one team based on how these few weeks have gone. But here they are at one and two, at least getting out of the zero and two hole. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know Carolina could have easily won the Browns game, could have easily won last week against the Giants, and they found a way to beat the Saints. And they did it because they created three turnovers and they didn't turn the ball over, which helps. Uh, they're going to have to get better production out of quarterback. I mean, they're going to mm-hmm. have to. I think Baker would be the first guy to tell you. you watch that game. Uh, I think it was Chenault, the kid that caught. He yep. caught, a fla- caught a flare, and he took it to the house. I mean, that was their passing game. They had 148 yards passing. 67 of them came on that play. With McCaffrey back now, they've run the ball really effectively. 146 yards against the Giants, 145 against the Saints. That's the key to their team, right? I mean, that's going to be. so. But they're going to have to get better quarterbacking play from Baker if they're going to move forward. And the Saints have got to get better quarterbacking play from their quarterback mm-hmm. because, you know, he makes too many mistakes and they've got too many skilled players to do that. The guy that worries me on the Saints is I haven't seen Kamara be Kamara. Yeah. And he has the, the rib issue that he was dealing with. He missed the Bucks game and he fumbled in this game, which led to that touchdown for the Carolina Panthers. So not a great sign here for New Orleans. The Cincinnati Bengals also get their first victory. One and two now are the Bengals after they beat the Jets 27 to 12 is all okay with the defending AFC champions, or do you still have some concerns with them here after their win against Gang Green? I mean, look, Burrow gets sacked at a, at a staggering clip. I mean, it's it's really so bad. I mean, the guy's taking way too many hits. They got to do a better job of protecting them. I mean, ten almost ten percent. Oh no, almost eleven percent of the time he drop backs to pass, he gets sacked. Meanwhile, the opponent only gets four point seven. I mean. It, it, it's damn hard to do that. You're not going to live like that. He's not. It's amazing his eye level still down the field. What won the game mm-hmm. for him is they made explosive plays, and the fact that the Jets just are prone to turnovers. I mean, you know, the Jets should be zero and three. The Jets are one to me. You could talk about their talent. 
I mean, they're not well coached. I mean, let's just be clear here. They're not very well coached. They don't do the details very well, and they find way to lose games. I mean, that's just the reality of it. I, I, I have a hard time betting the Jets. You know, Bill A.D., I sent out my picks on Sunday. I had Cincinnati in there. Bill A.D. corrected it to the Jets, which I didn't want the Jets, but my numbers said the Jets, you know, but I, I was going against the Jets on that weekend because, to me, I'm never betting the Jets again. Even though I won the week before against the Brownies, <laughs> that was a steal. That was a lucky mm-hmm. win. I, I'm never betting on the Jets. Never. Yeah, we'll, we'll take that steal, though. All the money counts the same. <laughs> uh, the Detroit Lions fall to the Minnesota Vikings 28-24. Watching this game quite a bit and the survivor implications, think about that. But the Vikings win this game coming from behind, scoring 14 points in the fourth quarter. I think this is one that the Lions let slip away there. They controlled the game. I thought their offense was really good. But Dan Campbell decided to kick that field goal towards the end, which I thought was a bad decision, given that the risk-reward didn't really uh, outweigh that decision. So I thought that the Lions let that one slip away. And they don't convert. They held the ball eight minutes and 42 seconds in the fourth. They don't convert it. You know, they went for it on on fourth, and they don't get it. And then they went, and that's the next time he kicks the field goal. So, Mm -hmm. again, fourth, don't get it. Don't kick the field goal. You end up losing by four. You miss a field goal. You know, you turn the ball over. I think the Lions offense, now I hope Swift is healthy. The Lions offense is good. They can move the ball yep. pretty much anybody, you know. And look, the Minnesota got behind and found a way to come back and win the game. Give them credit for that. But the Lions lost six points on missed field goals and not kicking field goals. And that, you know, four-point game, you want to turn down the points, Femi? Here's what you get. You get a big L, nice LW. All the people in analytics are very happy with you, by the way. They're very delighted with you. But you got a loss on your thing. They're happy. They'll celebrate. You did the right thing, even though you lost. <laughs> Their offensive line, though, is a bright spot. One of the five best in the league, in my opinion. And Jared Goff we back there. We said it this summer. Yep. We said it. Goff has a lot of time to throw, and he's finding those playmakers. Amon Ross St. Brown, another good game for him, despite getting banged up. All right, Michael, those are the games. Let's get to some well, of the, the awards. Oh. The only game we missed, we'll go to the awards. Cordell Patterson is sensational. Yes. He's <laughs> yes. incredible. Okay? Let's just put that out there. Like, like that guy is freaking incredible. He's impossible to tackle. He hurdled a Seattle defender. Yep. First of all, that was like a that, – that game in Seattle, I don't know if you watched it. I did because oh, I, I recommended Atlanta. That game was, to me, they were playing like nobody was playing defense in that game. It was like just back and forth. But Cordell Patterson, that that guy is sensational. And Atlanta has skill players. Now, look, Pitts isn't a tight end, but he's a good receiver. They got skill players. And Atlanta turned the ball over in the fourth quarter, which made that a closer game. And then mm-hmm. Seattle turned it over, too. But Cordell Patterson, to me, he's the player of the week. He's sensational. Unbelievable. I had my eyes glued on that game, Michael. I picked the Falcons in Survivor, so my heart was beating a little fast. Great call. <laughs> Sunday, that's Sunday gutsy. Afternoon. I some balls there. It, it was gutsy, but I figured we got to roll the dice if we want to try to win this thing. You know, <laughs> it, it's like what, uh, you know, it's like what uh, my man uh, in The Sopranos said, you know, when he told the cops, you see this here? This is called fucking balls right here, you know? <laughs> That takes a lot of balls. <laughs> yes. I, I, much deliberation Larry Friday boy. and My Saturday. My man Larry Boy. <laughs> yeah, Tony Darrow played Larry Boy. One of the great ones. You see this here? This is what they call balls, <laughs> fuckface. That's what he said. It, it definitely took some, and, and they, they thankfully won the game, and we're on to week four. But before we get to week four, let's talk about some awards here, Michael. On the lamb, who's that going to this week? Uh, I mean, you got to put it on the commanders. I mean, they're playing a divisional game at home and they can't even keep it close. I mean, come on, seriously. At some point, at some point, when are we going to get better in Washington? Like at some point, it's a historic franchise. I know that they changed their name, 
But this, look, like, I think college football is great when Tennessee's good. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't want Tennessee to, you know, they win a national ch- I think Tennessee's such a great state for football, and the school's got great tradition with General Nealon and Johnny Majors and all that. Like, I've, the NFL's better when Washington's good. Just like the NFL's better when the Raiders are good. You know, there's certain mm-hmm. teams you want to have. The Cowboys, when they're good, this is bad. Those Cowboys-Washington games growing up were always intense, and they always meant something. And now... They play them at 1 o'clock Eastern Time, 10 o'clock Pacific, because they don't mean a damn thing anymore, which is unfortunate. Fred Palermo, best game plan of the week. That goes to who, Michael? Oh, man, Jacksonville kicked ass 38 points against the the great Brendan Mm -hmm. Staley's defense with all these Pro Bowl players all over the field. I mean, look, Trevor Lawrence is is really – he's the real deal. He's playing well. And as long as – they got Philly this week, hard game. But if they Mm -hmm. play Philly the right way and control it, and don't get into a pass-happy game and expose this offensive line, they're going to be competitive all year long, Jacksonville. If you don't know, now you know. Uh, if you don't know, now you know. Philly's going to have home field advantage in the NFC. I just think so. Their schedule's too damn easy. Like, who's beating them? Like, who's beating them? I mean, they get to 14. I mean, it's hard. To, like, I, I could see them losing three games. Mm-hmm. Now, do I, I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that. But just when they're going to rack up all these wins against bad teams, they could lose this week against Indianapolis. But find me another loss along the way. You know, find me another. They got Green Bay. And then who else they got? They got to play Dallas. Will Dak be back? Washington with the Commodores? I mean, Daniel Jones. I mean, come on. Who's going to beat him? Barring injury. And barring health, they'll probably be favored in every single game the rest of the way. And finally, Michael, the David Ogilvy, who's the fraud of the week? Well, the advertisement. Well, first of all, the fraud of the week is the, somebody thinking that Cam Fleming's the third best right tackle in all of football. That's complete fraud. Like any when they post that shit before the during the game, like can we just ignore it? Would somebody just bring up this is the third best right tackle? Meanwhile, the quarterback's getting his ass kid. Could we ever say that? Like, could we do that? And then my man Brendan Staley, who's also supposed to be the you know the greatest coach because he went for yeah. it on fourth down. I mean, come on, he's a clown. You you said it. Yeah, he's a, he's it's nothing else needs to be said about Brandon Staley. Absolute clown. I'm out on him all the way. All right, that does it for us here on this Tuesday, Michael. Fun podcast is always breaking down oh, all yeah. things. And, and thank, in week I want to thank Stephen Bond. I want to thank Stephen yep. Bond. I want to thank you for you know uh, unfortunately yesterday a good friend of mine, a family friend. Bill Bourbon's father passed away. I had to go to the funeral. Uh, I wanted to go to the funeral. I didn't have to go to the funeral. I wanted to be there for him. And I appreciate for you guys taping this on a Tuesday morning. Mm-hmm. So thank you for everybody reaching out. I appreciate it. And we'll be back uh, on our regular schedule from here on out. Yes. Uh, our thoughts with Bill Berman and his family uh, this week, definitely. So yeah, like Michael said, we'll be back on Thursday, then back next Monday for our pod as regularly scheduled. Like you echoed, uh, thank you to Stephen Bond, our producer, on the ones and twos as always thank you to DraftKings thank you to VEASAN and we will talk to you guys on Thursday to preview week number four